Welcome to episode 219 of the Saturn Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my trained and international intrigue co-hosts, Peter and Jake. That's right, Kurt. And this week we're coming at you with the Walmartians edition. You thought, you ever wondered why they were so weird in that store? That's why. They're aliens. Oh, they all... Hmm. Makes sense. It'd be a good cover. Walmart is a big conglomerate. Hide all of our ETs as just Walmart people. How many Walmart locations are across the U.S.? 51, plus some others. But... <laughs> Wait, it's not only 51. How many Walmarts are there? Oh, well, yeah, plus some others. Plus some others. Plus some others. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure about 700,000. 51,000. I'm, I'm curious. Because there's, there's got to be Area a number for 51. It. Thousand. <laughs> uh, Walmart had a total of four thousand seven hundred fifty-six stores throughout the United States as of January thirty-first, twenty twenty, and then COVID happened, so they didn't build anymore. Um, now I'm not saying Walmart is probably the reason why COVID spread so fast, but have you ever seen Walmart and the COVID that- in the same room? I haven't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I guess no. <laughs> But probably yes. <laughs> We're coming at you live, as always, from a tiny little apartment in Chicago, Illinois, where we're scoping out people's bathrooms with uh, hidden cameras in the corner. That's totally legal. Yeah. Where we're shilling for Nabisco. I mean, Fuck. you had the, they had to pay for this movie somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and we can't all be Sonic the Hedgehog. With his fucking Olive Garden product placement. No, yeah. oh my God, that was so gratuitous. But like they leaned into it, and it was endearing. <laughs> this, uh, so we watched My Spy uh, as we have endeavored to chart the progress of the Dave Bautista cinematic universe. This is the indirect sequel to uh, Stuper. <laughs> that makes sense. Or maybe maybe a prequel. I'm not sure how we decided that it goes. <laughs> But um, this is an entry in the Dave Bautista cinematic universe. <laughs> Once they actually look into all of uh, JJ's wrongdoings in My Spy, they will actually fire him, and then he'll have to become an Uber driver. So I could see this as a legitimate prequel to uh, to, <laughs> to that to the Stuber. Well, there was there's one where he's a contract killer, and we said that that was the sequel to this. Um. I don't remember. I think Stuber was the first one. I think he was a cop, and then he did a good job as a cop. So he, never mind the fact that he's supposed to be a lot older in Stuber than he is in this one. Uh, that's not important. Now, how is this? How is this all going to fit into the new movie that's coming up in 2024, Hotel Artemis, with the critically acclaimed cast? None other than Jodie Foster. I think that's a non-canon spin-off. So wait, hold up. It's like an Earth I'm, 2 version uh-oh, of Dave okay. Batista. Gotcha. I think I see a theme here, guys. Uh these movies are all connected by a thread. And my tinfoil 100% cotton hat has picked up on that thread. And that is Dave Batista works service jobs. He's a Uber driver. 
He worked at a hotel, and he was a babysitter. Oh. So what service job will Dave Batista work next? What what's the Retail one where he's at the soccer maker. stadium? Huh? Like is that like what is he like a concession guy at the the one where he's like thwarting a terrorist plot at the soccer stadium? I could see that. That could be. I could see him doing like a, I want, a Paul Blart kind of thing. Where he's just oh, like could he be he's like the, the antagonist <laughs> of Paul Blart three? <laughs> no, he's got I would love to see that, but I would also like to see him in like a menial job as like a security guard at a bank or something like that. Just like, mm. well, you wake up, do it in the morning, maybe run a second <laughs> job at night. <laughs> but then he has oh, to take no. down the terrorists. I mean, Fucking. we're going to be, it's going to be a while before we get Paul Blart, Blart 3 because they have to make the uh, War for Brooklyn movie where Kevin James as the King of Queens wages war against pete davidson as the king of staten island for the rights to the brooklyn territory dave batista stuck down in florida no once but once they get around to making paul blart three's company it's gonna be he's gonna find out he has two triplet brothers one's dave batista and one's ryan reynolds yo what is dave batista's net worth he's in a lot of can't we get danny devito in there We'll just get everyone there, and as as more star power Wait, comes no, in, no, I got Paul, it. I like, got he it. He goes he goes back to the back of the box, and he just okay. You know how they were going to do triplets, <laughs> where they were going to add Eddie Murphy to Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. Yeah. What if we do quintuplets, and then we add to that triumvirate, Dave Batista, and um, Kevin James. That would be, we're dangerously close to the ridiculous six here. You can't go that far. Then you hit Adam Sandler. (laughs) Don't go full Sandler. Never go full Sandler. Adam Sandler's made better movies than this, even in his off times. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted something worse. I just got like fairly ho hum and boring out of my spy. Although, until the climax. The climax was just ridiculously awful, and I loved every second of it. Yeah. I made I this movie I extended by an hour because I just made a phyllo dough like experience because every two minutes I paused for two minutes to yell about the movie, and then I played it again, and I just couldn't stop myself. And it was <laughs> 11 o'clock by the time I was done, and I was like, what happened to my evening? Oh, I watched My Spy. It's almost as long as Lethal Weapon 3 on fucking TV. <laughs> on, yeah. <laughs> Nothing could be quite as long as that. I swear we were watching that movie for 36 hours. I want to increase the length of time every time we mention it, and then I was going to be... And then the story is just going to eventually turn into the plot of 127 hours. <laughs> It's gonna. The time will exponentially increase, much like the exponential decay of several atomic elements. Nice. Which brings us into radioactive. Tray watch. Tray watch. The series Our, where we talk about trailers in this fucking wasteland. Yeah, there's uh, there's typically slim pickings, but we are starting to see more things. Although I'm I'm fairly certain that at least. Two of these movies have already come out. Uh, Radioactive being one of the movies I'm fairly certain has been out for like three months. <laughs> but we've got trailer one for it, allegedly. And uh, like I thought we saw some... the trailer for it already by now. We did. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, why trailer one? Don't know. 
No movie clips trailers. I've definitely seen this before. Well, that was that was the teaser trailer stinger MacGuffin one. Nobody needs so a teaser trailer for something that's already happened in history. Marie Curie invents a green glowing rock and is like, she boom. invents the gamma rays and the Hulk <laughs> yeah. comes out. So there's there's a number of problems with this movie uh, in terms of its historical accuracy. Uh, number one, like the the dig about. The science people believing the earth was flat. No, that's that's not true of that time. Yeah. And uh, honestly, even the Greeks knew the earth was round because if you look at any statue of Atlas, he's holding a round yeah. earth. Yeah. Even even the uh, I think it was ancient Egyptians were able to to figure out the not only that the earth was round, but also that they were able to figure out the circumference. Or the, well, or she may the, or have been, the diameter she may have of the been earth? making a fucking taking pot shots at him. Not yeah, but there's insane. also there's also stuff like um, the uh, what's it? Who's it? Uh, Pierre's name on the Nobel Prize was mentioned as a co-discoverer, and actually, it wasn't. It was not an impassioned speech by Mary, Marie that got her name onto the experiment. It was Pierre who protested. <laughs> to do that but we have to we have to make this uh a suffragette movie yeah so we need to the bend history to our our narrative demands now i so i watched this and i also watched another biopic trailer uh and my main complaint with this is um that it's just it's just very by the numbers yeah it's, it's um so much like everything else you've ever seen yeah which is which was kind of a letdown when I compared it to Tesla, which is the IFC Films biopic of Tesla. Um, and what they did for this one is they they I wouldn't call it experimental. I'd call it they tr they're just trying a couple different things out. Um, so you know how in like drunk history, they'll just sort of break. Yeah. break all the time so this this movie specifically lists drunk history as one of its like influences Wait, which okay. one um, tesla or uh tesla. tesla tesla um i'll share the trailer with you but that's really funny. it's it's like a it's you know a lot of the same beats as a biopic but it's not trying to like immerse you in the world it's it's very clear about casting this as this is a this is a biopic guys we're trying to we're trying to dig through the history and figure out what this guy was like. So you'll have scenes. You'll have like the wife character is basically the framing device for the story. She's on like a fucking Apple laptop. Like if you Google Tesla, you get like thirty two thousand hits, but it's all like four pictures. <laughs> you'll have you have like Edison just like taking a break from debating with him, and he just whips out his his phone and he's just like texting on it. <laughs> Tesla's like making impassioned speeches over like a obviously painted matte background. Like they're they're trying to like we're not gonna like they're putting you in the life, but they're not trying to like dip you in up to your head. I see. I, I kind of like that. They're trying to reframe it. Uh, the most noteworthy part of this radioactive trailer is that a minute and forty three seconds in, uh, Maria Curie says, "My work can cure cancer." Uh, about that. 
Gotta gave her cancer. Pete, the glass is just so large. <laughs> what is in the glass, Peter? It's a uh, Omegon Vit Vita what Witta Light. It's the white beer. It's the fucking light beer for lunches. <laughs> it's eleven a.m. It's eleven a.m. <laughs> That's when I have lunch. It's five o'clock somewhere though, probably in India. <laughs> in a. Oh. War torn hellscape. Oh, why am I saying what what white what way? Yeah, That's so Marie Curie uh, trying to cure cancer. Big oofties, she gets cancer from it, unfortunately. So, and she dies tomorrow. And she dies tomorrow. She does <laughs> die tomorrow. That's a pretty good segue into the next movie. What a. F- Fucking! What is this movie even? I don't know. It. I. Who's the main character? I'm uncertain of. What's uh, honestly, going. I wouldn't be surprised if they switch. Like they keep on switching perspectives between the people who think they're gonna die the next day. And there, nobody's gonna yeah. die the next day except for one person, who like went too crazy and they like caused their own death. I bet. Yeah, I'm sure this is like gonna be a movie about self-fulfilling prophecies yeah. or some bullshit like that try to be philosophical be like oh my god if you think about your existence ending possibly the next day what would you do and what would you feel like man well apparently some girl managed to get a doctor's appointment which i call bullshit on yeah no way <laughs> maybe it was just yeah, it's... coincidence that they had the doctor's appointment the next day but I don't think so. <laughs> I think I don't think the the directors have any grand ambitions with this movie. It just looks like they want to make something weird. Mm-hmm. But look and at like, the pull oh, quotes yeah, they, they put in the trailer, Peter. It's it's described as a uh, hold on, let me. It's an absurdist a, comedy, a gripping apocalyptic thriller, ready made for this moment by IndieWire. Really, <laughs> <laughs> because it also says. Let me see if I can't find it. the other pull quote. Uh, it flirts with psychological horror and absurdist comedy from screen. Yeah. Because, like, the fucking scene right before this, all the lights go out, and then they're like, <gasps> and then a guy walks, happy birthday. <laughs> just one of the dudes is like, I, I just turned out the lights. It's like, I'm going to die, God. <laughs> I thought that was it. I thought I was going to die when the lights went off because I couldn't see anymore. I got so scared. Well, it might be and then some. AV it might be Club a movie calls it totally terrifying. So well, these three know. poll quotes paint a picture of different movies each time. Yeah, this I I don't know. Maybe kids will relate to this. Maybe I'll relate to this because we all live in a nightmare world. It's on the brink of just. It just feels like it's on the brink of collapse. It may not be that way, but it's how that's the it's the brainscape I think of a lot of people right now. So they're like here. Have this movie where everyone feels like they're gonna die at any moment. Um, it's it's for all ages, much like my spy. <laughs> uh, also for all ages, uh, Tijuana Jackson, purpose over prison. What? Uh, it's about a convict. It's a it's a mockumentary. Yeah. Following a convict. Who wants to build an an emotional speaking empire? I feel like this could be like 
a low-key, really, really funny movie or shit garbage. And I, I think it's I'm leaning I got towards shit major, I got major like spinal tap vibes from this. Uh just mm-hmm. how much they refer to the camera crew mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um I I'm cautiously optimistic about this. I think it, it has all the ingredients to be a uh, what we do in the shadows style cult hit. Yeah. Uh, but it could also very easily uh, fall apart. Yeah, those are so fragile. There's, there's like, you either nail it on the head or you hit your thumb. It's like, it's yeah. really, really, really fine line. And I, I, I hope they can. I think I've seen him in, in other comedies, the, the main guy who plays uh jackson but and in, he's been in pretty some good. world um in some alternate universe he's also the director this... oh he is oh i see good i then that, that might be good it might be good comedic timing and they might it might not be too ham oh, yeah, he's been he's been in things like uh weeds and the 40 year old virgin mm-hmm. oh god he was in night school yeah yeah <laughs> i um yeah, in alternate universe, I feel like this would be hit. the The main, the lead actor would be Shasha Baron Cohen, and you just let yeah. him loose in a prison. Yeah, I could see that. And just do his Sasha Baron Cohen thing. I'm pretty sure Sasha Baron Cohen is, in fact, still rotting inside a Kazakhstanian prison because of Borat. <laughs> no, because he he came out and did that whole uh, that. That's an imposter. That oh, that's it's an a imposter. body double. All right, it's a body double. It's one of his horcruxes. <laughs> How do you think he keeps? He stays alive after he does all this shit. It's his familiar. Stun He made his stunt double his horcrux, and it's imbued with the the persona of of Sasha Baron Cohen. Either way, so, Sasha Baron Cohen is endless. Bent on it's either it's either that Stop. or. Uh, they arrested his body double. Yeah. And he's roaming. You through. idiots. <laughs> You've captured their stunt doubles. Classic. Uh, endless. Yes. Uh, much like Trey Watch typically feels to the new listener, just endless. <laughs> endless. I, I'm watching this. I'm watching this trailer with uh, with Kristen. And so, she goes, she's like, this is, this a, this is, is a Kristen movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is Ghost. Yeah. This is okay. literally ghost it is the same sort of plot they've just got younger characters i've oh. seen this movie before it starred patrick swayze and demi Moore. <laughs> i would not be shocked if they did like a millennial version of the pottery scene she's texting her friends on her phone what? and then he goes over her arm and types in i love you or some kissy face emoji she's like oh, i didn't type that it must be my boyfriend who died in a car wreck I want the reverse of this kind of movie. Except Where the girl dies? Me too. Yeah, except she comes back like the grunge and they have like a like a post like a punk alternative like kind of relationship and they're all like it's it's him and like the girl with the black hair and they're just sitting outside like the club where the fucking rock band is playing and they're like she hands he hands her the jewel and she like makes a giant cloud of smoke and then she's gone. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, dude! <laughs> you have you have some strange wants for cinema, Peter. <laughs> Look, the, there's got to be like, how do you how do you turn the grudge into a romantic comedy? <laughs> how do you turn fear, fucking F E A R, 
into a into a um, dating sim. I, <laughs> I mean, it basically it's is. Gotta, what you really gotta dress up think about it. Oh yeah. <laughs> From a certain perspective, you know, all those like psychological flashes are just uh, you and Alma going on little speed dates. <laughs> oh my god, that's it! Fucking oh, speed! Da- you have to do it like speed dating, where you can like you have to keep her from killing you. She has to get close enough where you have to talk to her, and you go through the dialogue options like <laughs> we should go on a date. Here's this fucking strawberry or whatever. But if she gets too close, then she rips your head off. Here's this fucking strawberry. I'm honestly, I'm honestly surprised there isn't already a game out there like that. I, I'm sure if we dug deep enough, there's probably a ghost dating simulator out there. Well, they did something kind of similar, like in terms of like the taking the horror concept and changing it around, where like the dude was the stepdad to the omen child. Mm-hmm. You know that movie? Okay. Um. No, I, I know Supernatural, where they did a parody of the, of the fucking The Exorcist. It was the mom. She's like, dinner's ready, and then she just pukes all over <laughs> the entire family. Oh, Wonderful. oh, the stepdad was like, they were raising like the, the Lucifer kid. Yeah, like raising Eve. Yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that trailer. Now, now I remember that. Yeah, it's coming back to me. Yeah, they, they took a spin on like The Exorcist, and he's like, how do I be a stepdad to the devil? <laughs> kid's a fucking demon, literally. <laughs> it was climbing on the walls. Yeah, uh, I, I would like to see that. Try to roman- romance <laughs> the ghost instead of sending it back to the underworld. Yeah, I know. Their scary movie is, is probably done. Yeah, <laughs> scary movie is probably done. Uh, yeah. A bit like that before. Where but do we want to let scary them. movie be the pinnacle of this genre? No, I mean, well, I romance mean, scary movie one and two maybe. Is that a new category? No. Romance horror, horror comedy, horcom, rom, horcom, horrom, horrombe, horrombe, dicks out for horrombe. <laughs> Who's writing him on their 2020 When a gorilla and a ghost (laughs) find that they have more in common than you thought. (laughs) Who's writing Harambe in on their 2020 ballot? (laughs) No, it's Kanye, obviously. (laughs) Kayambe. Kayambe. It's the the dual ticket. They've made the full ticket at this point. It's like when... Kayambe is what you get when the when uh, Kanye West builds like a uh, Jeff Goldblum in the fly teleporter and the ghost of Harambe gets in the other one and their DNA gets crossed. It's Kayambe coming soon to theaters. Wait, what Mike, what powers does like a ghost gorilla give you? Well, obviously you have the gorilla strength and an insatiable lust for bananas. Uh, but you also have the ability to communicate with the spirit world, but only to dead animals. And only in so sign language. So you must language. try to there figure out. <laughs> and in sign language. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think we've, it's just it's a fountainhead of ideas here, kids. <laughs> just like Some fucking Hollywood producer is going to stumble upon our show and like with a notebook and it's going to be like the, the playbook and the water boy. Where he just like holds on to that and he rises to the top of the studio. Like it's only a matter of yeah. time until Blumhouse gets a hold of this podcast and is like, oh my God, we're set up through 2030. 
Or they could just keep on milking Halloween Budget movies. $10,000 to make all these movies. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> or they could just keep on milking the big old teats of Halloween and Halloween kills. Again? Yeah, again. Oh, yes. God. When are we going to end this? It Honestly, it was, uh, what's her name? The, the, the yogurt commercial lady. Jamie Lee, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. That's right. That's what I. That's what I know her from. Activia. Activia. It regulates my butthole while I'm running away from Michael Myers. Well, that's an important time to have your regularity. Yeah, yeah. Because he will track you if you got the Hershey. Squirts. You don't want to be. You don't want to be. I wanted to do the activity squirting. commercial. The activity. activity the commercial. Activia commercials. But it's just like too many cooks where he just comes into the commercial and she has to run away at the end. Uh, that would be honestly good, but... It's like she's jogging and he's jogging behind her. I'm glad I had my Activia this morning. Let's let's call our friends over at Adult Swim. <laughs> see if we can get this happen. And Michael Myers is chasing her just with a, like a comically large spoon. Yes. Uh, yes. Give me yes. your Activia. No, but he's Michael, holding it like a knife. Mine. He's not like holding it like he's gonna bash her. He's holding it like he's gonna stab her with the spoon. I want your Activia. It gives me energy mm. in the morning <laughs> for killing. It keeps me regular. Guys, Hall- Halloween comedy. I think it's time. <laughs> I mean, uh, every. Um, Every horror franchise has to go through a comedy phase. Like, think of things like Leprechaun 5, Back in the Hood. (laughs) Or Jason X. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure there was a comedy Nightmare on Elm shit. (laughs) Honestly, a lot of them are. uh, The Nightmare on Elm Street's had a lot of good comedy in them. Because Freddy was just that funny. Bitch. Bitch. (laughs) Bitch. (laughs) Nobody knew how to say bitch like Freddy (laughs) Krueger. I I don't know. There's not a whole lot to say about Halloween Kills because there's not a lot. It's like a teaser that they gave us. Uh, And it seems like it leaves off where the first, well, the rebooted Halloween left off with, I guess, them defeating Michael Myers in like a house fire. Well, I'd hope they'd follow up on and, it. Uh, like it seems like they're trying to build the franchise again. Yeah. I can't believe Danny McBride directed that movie. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I mean. Oh man. Rob Zombie was the last one to direct a Halloween movie, right? He did the like origin movie. He did two reboots of them, and they weren't well received. Well, he did two of them. Yeah, there is Halloween, the Rob Zombie version, and then there was H2. Oh, he did H2O. No, H2O was Halloween, uh, like, 2000. (laughs) That was, I think, the fourth one in the franchise. And that is Buster Rhymes. I guess they did comedy, because Buster Rhymes karate kicks (laughs) Michael Myers out of a second story window in that movie. (laughs) I watched a lot of the Halloween movies. (laughs) <laughs> They're the same thing every time. They just find different ways to use the knife to kill people. <laughs> um, let me see. Oh. A Halloween Rob Zombie movie. I, I don't know if I've seen the second one. Or I guess maybe his first one. Which, I don't know which one came first. 
chicken or the egg. Yeah. Or or a Buster Rhymes karate kick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that's that's Halloween Kills. It's not a whole lot about that. And uh, I guess to finish it off, uh, something interesting happened in in uh, Hollywood during this whole COVID experience. Uh, a movie was made in secret, starring. Now let's try not to invoke her name too loud. Zendaya. <laughs> oh, I just heard my huh. heard my window my lights shutter. flickered. <laughs> my lights flickered. I'm gonna die tomorrow. She's staring into my soul through this picture. Oh, go back to Spider Man. Um, so they they filmed a movie in in quarantine, which was a pretty big. Uh, kind of thing to do because nobody's been doing any movies right now which kind of leaves hollywood up for like losing a lot of money post quarantine and covid stuff because there's no production obviously going on there's nothing to be released there's no money to be made in like the next few quarters uh, but zendaya and somebody else the uh, was this oh, what's his name john david washington um Made a, a movie with Tenet, Sam Levinson. Started and finished a secret movie during the pandemic. Um, so I don't know if there's even a name for it out yet. Uh, they haven't. Uh, yeah. They haven't released a trailer. Uh, Malcolm and Marie Malcolm is Marie. the name. Okay. So Filming yeah. took place between June 17th and July 2nd at the Caterpillar House. Um. And this article that we have uh, here, like, gives some of the rules. Like, during quarantine, no more than one person in a room at any given time unless the additional person has previously been quarantined with the cast or crew member. Uh, there will be food prepared in quarantine housing. Food will be delivered to your rooms. During the shoot, do not touch your mask. Eliminate the use of paper document distribution. No scripts. <laughs> <laughs> Avoid handshakes and other greetings that involve touching. Keep your nails short. Oh wow! If at all possible. So keep an eye on those nails during the movie. I want to see if they say true to that. There, like, holy shit! There's a lot of stuff. There was a lot like, of stuff. I, yeah. I was just like perusing through, but there's probably like seventy or more bullet points here. Yeah. Wow. Oh shit! Yeah, I I know the 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 video that I heard about this. They only touched upon like the big things, uh, social distancing, how food was getting to you, who was involved. Um, they tested everybody like before and after the shoot, just to make sure nobody caught it during. Um, and and there must have been, I guess, relatively smaller group that was involved. But you know, you gotta you always gotta be careful because during a contained experience like this it could really run rampant and you can have like a, a small outbreak and it could be really bad um but i think they they obviously did it fine um so it's possible to do a until movie. we 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 get the documentary six years later what really happened what on the set that? of malcolm and Marie? it was vast rapes of uh, covid uh, we didn't have any food they raped the covid <laughs> COVID raped me. <laughs> there was just crazy shit that went down. Zendaya's eating people because they ran out of food in the third day. <laughs> Zendaya's Michi. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of rules. That's crazy. Um, 
Yeah, because I was scrolling. It turns into fucking the Lord of the Flies. <laughs> Honestly, like, yeah. these contracts must have been like really long to just make sure that they they followed everything. Um, oh, it's just surprising in Hollywood. I mean, they're known for their small and um, really concise contracts. Yeah. But I've actually never seen a Hollywood contract before, so I can't comment either way on that. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. They Can't use DocuSign. Like, these these notes are so descriptive. Utilize DocuSign when possible for necessary signatures. Oh my god. Well, yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, that's just kind of cool that they were able to do this. But what's what's interesting is that this might be coming out when when not a whole lot of other new movies are coming out. So it number might one by do. default, baby. I guess so. <laughs> number one by default. Number one by just everybody's bored. You can only watch Hamilton so many times on Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. But you can then watch Artemis Fowl. <laughs> so good. A movie that I think uh, Disney Disney my new conspiracy theory is Disney started COVID, so they would have an excuse not to release Artemis Fowl in the theaters. They spent $125 million on that movie. That would have made like that would have lost so much money. That would have made Mortal Engines and Alita Battle Angel look like The Matrix and Titanic by comparison. Yeah. Judy Dench. She's uh, not cheap. Not a cheap she day. Top of the morning to you. <laughs> she's half the budget. What did you do for yeah, like Irish. five minutes of runtime? Okay, that'll be $50 million. And the CG on that movie was awful. Yeah. Like the set design oh, yeah. was cool, but the CG was terrible. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like they like filmed it in like seventy different locations. It was just a house, Mostly, a couple yeah. of locations, but you know, the majority of it took place in the house and destroying the house. Ah, it's crazy. All right, well, let's follow up on some of the films we touch on and Trey watch sometimes. Yeah. Um, here mm-hmm. with our box off and review roundup segment, the follow up. Uh. We lead off this week with a new number one movie. The Wretched has been supplanted. Actually, I think Becky was number one last week. But Becky has been supplanted by Relic. Uh, I bet you'll never guess what genre of movie this is. (laughs) Archaeological documentary. Oh, close. Uh, It is a horror mystery. Uh... Because even the pandemic, horror movies can be profitable. I think we talked about this. Um, I, I remember something about a daughter, mother, grandma, dementia movie. There's a few of them. We've uh, we've talked about a lot of movies, and a uh, few of them good. Relic uh, stars Emily Mortimer of Newsroom fame and uh, some other people that I've never heard of. Currently has a 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb. And we're going to take a closer look at this reading by reading you some IMDb user reviews as Relic is the spotlight film for this week. I will begin with a 10 out of 10 review from uh, Smith with a extra H in there. S-M-I-T-H-T dash 84088. His review of Relic is a 10 out of 10. Submitted January 26, 2020. Before the Fire Nation attacked. Uh, (laughs) Sundance 2020 world premiere is the subject line. I just saw this at Sundance 2020 world premiere. 
I didn't realize I was sitting behind the filmmaker, exclamation mark. It was truly great, exclamation mark. Very great, deep, scary, compassionate, true blue, hashtag true blue eep, hashtag humming bull rising. <laughs> 36 Whoa. out of 78 found this helpful. A humming bull rising. True blue eep. True blue eep. Ah, yes. True blue eep. The cornerstone of any good movie. Um, I don't know what true blue means. Although I will note that I'm pretty sure a lot of these positive reviews are astroturfing because they all mention the filmmaker in some capacity. So I'm pretty sure it's like her friends. People who worked on it. Yeah. Mm hmm. Not surprised. Uh, well, these are more recent uh, reviews, so not the Sundance ones. And uh, some of them are short but sweet. Uh, one out of ten by Bandbuster. What a bore fest. Comma, 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 comma. That's comma the, chameleon. <laughs> Just a whole film of nothingness. Ellipses with a period. The annoyance of every shot in the complete darkness makes it unwatchable ellipses that's it that's the, that's the end 10 out of 25 found that helpful <laughs> um, let me read you one more quick one one out of 10 horrible and what was that thing in the bed at the end and no explanation or closure really <laughs> okay thanks thanks my list two out of five found that helpful <laughs> I can't believe 36 people found my review helpful. That's just astonishing I, to me. That's awful. <laughs> Ironically, um, that's how many people uh, worked on worked the movie. Worked on the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I got it. If Jay can do a quick blurb, I'll do a quick blurb one, too. Uh, Papadopoulos Panos, 4 out of 10 review. Zero people found this helpful, by the way. Boronic. Uh, it means boring plus moronic. I'm being generous. This is so tedious, so uninspired, and so subcultural. It has pride of place in a Roman vomitorium. Zero people found that helpful. I don't. Are vomit? I don't, okay. I think vomitoriums not are that. a myth. It's the. Correct? It's the. No, vomitoriums are the thing in you know the stadiums, the big ass arches that everyone walks out of yeah. when they're done with the event. Like it's everyone's show's over, guys. Time to go. Go through the giant fucking arch in the bleachers that's a vomitorium mm. because people spill out gotcha. of it. uh i see because uh, i remember uh, this learning... is actually this is pretty interesting um during our show here someone has submitted a new review yeah i let, hold on um okay it's not too entertaining i have a cup i'll do a click blurb as well uh any contact with females the dystopian road to babies guys be careful of the subliminal man woman msg and thank god goodness for animal kingdom to annihilate the latter ching 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 our boy is back back uh csun ba piano mst3k snail ant wear pink Returning once again with his uh, wonderful screed about Andrew Jackson. Um, but my actual review is uh, 10 out of 10. A must from Binge O'Healer. A must-see film in parentheses from the comfort of your home in 2020. 
submitted July 3rd, 2020. Strong performances by three brilliant actors, amazing screenplay, cinematography, and directing. Hard to believe and exciting that this is Natalie Erica James's debut feature. I was on the edge of my seat the whole way through, and I literally bit off my nails because I was so nervous. No exclamation point. That wasn't deemed worthy of one. I haven't nope. seen a movie like this that kept me thinking about it for days afterwards in a long time. An important story about aging and dementia. I hope all Australians will get behind it to support homegrown local talent. I can't wait to watch it again and excited to see how it's received by audiences as it's released around the world. 14 out of 38 found that helpful i guess those 14 are the immediate family of natalie natalie erica james australia come together we must watch this movie about dementia get your ruse and hop to the local theater um (laughs) all right so i have a little bit uh more of a one with some meat on its bones uh one out of ten this film is so deep ellipses ellipses and yet so boring and totally pointless <laughs> classified as a horror but there is nothing horrific not gonna lie they had me in the first half there <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> then they get you real quick on the uh on the actual meat and potatoes classed as an as a as an horror as a horror you dumb shit Classed as a horror, but there is nothing horrific apart from the woman suffering from Alzheimer's and yet gives absolutely no insight into that condition. Last 10 minutes excluded when the film decides, oh, let's try to be a horror and yet still fails miserably. I get this is supposed to be an analogy of the former person, but it doesn't work. Oh, that last like two sentences was all in parentheses. I don't know why. Oh, good. (laughs) Badly lit throughout, terrible dialogue, some of the cuff examples of losing your memory, obscure weird scenes that never connect up or seem to even have any relevance and never touched on again. The list goes on. If you want to see a film about Alzheimer's, then watch Still Alice, a real horror film without all the pretentiousness of this one. One out of five found that helpful. I feel like more people should find this helpful. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now I have a choice here. I have I uh, two roads diverge in a yellow wood. Now we can continue and fucking send this to its grave, or I can give it a a, a moderate, uh, even-handed review, as is the neutral uh, slot for me. Which one's more entertaining? Which one will make well, us go haha? It depends on if we, we actually want we actually want them to like to care about this movie, which considering this is. For comedy's sake, all right, you've you've made my choice for me. Set it to the shadow row. Set. Well, it's going down, kids. For anyone who wants to see the other one, it's actually by an actual reviewer. Uh, Horror Blades reviews of of Relic. He gives it a six out of ten. Disturbing, unsettling, but also a little dull. And then he has an actual ass review. But no, all right, we're going to Jillian Ronnie's review of Relic. Now here's the title. Another smug and pretentious slow burn horror drama that claims the metaphor is the monster. Surprise this isn't an A24 film because it's that dull and dry. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Let me put on my fucking, uh, my like AVGN voice, my shitty AVGN knockoff voice. <clears throat> Why do these awful artsy fartsy contrived dramas keep being passed as horror when they're absolutely not? 
Are critics just that clueless and deluded? This plays by the numbers like so many other critically hailed horror films of the last decade. Apparently, to get great reviews, you can just follow the same dry, uninspired formula of symmetrical camera work and supposed dread-inducing overacting. <laughs> then add a deep metaphorical message that just is, is just as effective as an actual visual monster, because you know, what you can't see is scarier. No, that isn't true horror. It's drama. It's just such a miserably lazy film, although Mortimer salvages it from being being blah, 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 truly terrible. 31 out of 62 found that helpful. Yeah. Nice. All righty. Well, that's, uh, that's Relic. Your number one movie in America. Uh, <laughs> the Wretched. <laughs> and it's 10th week. It's hanging on at number two. Up from last week. Uh, in standings, down in money. 37% to be accurate. Factual, uh, just a hair under 25k for that. Followed yet another horror movie. Apparently, the only uh, thing deemed fit to to launch the box office. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> down 69.5 percent, but in 49 more theaters. 23.6k. Wow. Becky 19.7k, down 76.2 percent. Uh, Miss Juneteenth down 32.7% out of five theaters only six left infamous how far would go to be famous Uh, apparently not to your local movie theater as it was down 93.3% from last week bringing in a paltry sum of $2.4,000 out of five theaters the Truth opening in 7th and 10 theaters to the tune of $2,200. And Sex in the Future up a staggering 542.6% uh, to $604 in one theater. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Only one theater. <laughs> that rounds out our top eight as there are. That's only eight, eight movies. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Man, box office mojo. Another depressing box office mojo. This is—it's been the pandemic follow-ups have been been sad. They've been rough. They've been rough. Yeah. I, I wonder if this um factors in like uh, drive-in movie theaters at all. I mean, I gotta imagine they, that they, they are to, the majority right? of the theaters that yeah. are being. Yeah, I think as long as they report the results, the box office mojo, then they're counted. Maybe they don't. I assume that's how that works. Or actually, you know what? I I did pass a drive-in movie theater, and they were, like, showing old movies. Like, I think they were showing, um, I think, Infinity War and The Force Awakens or some of that. Yeah, I've heard of that, too, like. I, I don't know what the criteria for Box Office Mojo is. Maybe it filters out movies that weren't released that year. Mm. But, like, apparently the true number one movie in America a couple weeks ago wasn't Wretched or whatever or followed. It was Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah, that, um, that, that, that's interesting. out of the archives. Kids. Honestly, I, it's, a, it's a great idea. And I, I think I, I, I'm hoping that's what maybe gets AMC back up on their feet by, like, showing these these really popular movies and bring them out of the vault like 
Jurassic Park, Dark Knight. Can they put Spider Verse back in theaters in three D? Spider Verse, that'd be so amazing. I, that again. Um, I would go. I I would I would risk myself going to the theater. I will AMC, I can see fucking Spider Verse three D again. AMC is actually releasing Spider Verse as part of their opening. Oh really? <sighs> yeah. Let me let me see if they have a. I list. saw that in my app last week, but in New Jersey theaters still aren't open. That's a fucking dangler of a of an apple there. Uh, reopening. Let's see if there's a list of any of the reopening movies that they have. Let's see. In the coming soon tab. So this is this is the uh, coming soon uh, of AMC here. So opening August 9th, Babe, 25th anniversary. Kiki's Delivery <laughs> Service. Close Encounters okay. of the Third Kind. Princess cool. Mononoke. Spirited Away. How's Moving Castle. Oh. Uh, Fiddler on the Roof, Wait. Mulan, Wonder Woman, 1984, Tenet, Black Widow. So, okay, so then they get into, then, like, movies. Then they that get are, to, like, new movies. Yeah. Iron Man yeah, um, is, is releasing July 17th, Human Capital, July 17th, Bohemian Rhapsody, July 17th, Beauty and the Beast, July 17th, Ghost, July 19th. So, yeah, skip, uh, what was it, Endless, and just go see Ghost in theaters again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tijuana Jackson, July 24th. There we go. Spider-Verse, July 20th. Sonic okay, the Hedgehog, cool. July 30th. Or, I'm sorry, July 30th. July 30th. Raiders of the Lost Ark, original Wonder Woman. So, yep. Spider-Verse coming back into theaters. Yeah, honestly, I would I would go see a lot of those movies, like Dark Knight. Go see the first time I saw when I saw they had less movies last time I looked, and I saw mm. Spider Verse. I'm like, mm, maybe. Mm, yeah. And I and then I just put in my Blu-ray and watched it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but who knows? I I don't I don't want to see AMC go away. I like I like having those those big opening nights of certain movies. Because, I mean, somebody, I saw something the other day where it was like, oh, it was a TikTok. It was like trying to get back that feeling or remembering that, that feeling you got when you saw Captain America uh, summon Mjolnir to his hand and then listening to, like, everybody's reaction to the audience as everybody goes, oh, what the fuck? Because it was such a huge, like, moment. It's like those are the moments that are just like, chef's kiss. Yeah, but... So. When you watch a movie at home, you have advantages. Like, no one claps after the fucking movie ends. I get ends. it. I get it. Yes, there are pros and cons. Yes, I, I get it. Um, you just this have to have a little This is not a stage bit of- performance. They can't fucking hear you. <laughs> RDJ's not going to take a bow at the, the credits end. are rolling. The curtain did not drop. <laughs> Don't everybody go nuts when you see the Star Wars logo pop up there. I think I we all knew what we were going to do. It was on the ticket. I wouldn't have put it past for Endgame. I wouldn't have put it past them to have all the actors come out and just like fucking bow on the screen. Honestly, like it was an actual fucking curtain call. They signed the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's well, they true. Did. yeah, they signed the movie. Why not have them bow? Yeah, I mean, if if they did that, still, it's a it's a screen captured rendering of them. They they cannot hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it'd be a little, it'd be a little, little less uh, annoying. So let's talk about some gaming news here. We got some gaming news and perhaps some reviews as well. 
Uh, Sony is investing $250 million into Epic Games as part of a continuation of the strategic partnership. So you get ready to see a lot of PlayStation 5 exclusive Fortnite content. Yikes. I'm Here sure. Here comes Ninja out in a fucking PlayStation 5 shirt. Like when... E3 next year. Like when fucking... Uh, Sony sort of kind of bought Capcom a few years ago. There went Street Fighter on the Xbox like that. Yeah. Um, Amazon perhaps still reeling from the bitch smacking that Crucible received upon release has delayed its MMO once again. New World will now be expected to release in spring of 2021. Ah, so it had been set to come out on August 25th, but uh, the studio announced today that based on feedback received from alpha testers, (laughs) it has decided to push the release to the spring of 2021. They hated it. Was that supposed to be like, um, was that supposed to be like that one space like exploration game? No, it's a medieval fantasy MMO. Oh. Um, or I guess maybe not medieval, maybe more like I see a man in the door yeah. with a ka- the katana. Yeah. Um, but I think the bigger story here is that like this game was still in alpha <laughs> and supposed to release next one. Oh, wait, hold on. As a result, we will be changing our launch date and correspondingly our final beta test. Oh, the game is still in alpha. It was still in alpha. And it was supposed to release in, like, 50 days. Yeah. Jeff, that's not how a video game happens. I know you I know you like Amazon Prime, but you can't get a video in two days or less. You think they were going to, like, push it to beta on August 25th? And, like, do, like, a public beta testing like PUBG Open did? beta MMO, that sounds awful. I would have hoped that they would have done, you know... A beta at some point. Well, open betas aren't bad. The the only issue with open betas is that people don't understand what an open beta means. Like, yes, things are going to be bad. The game isn't finished. So I forgot what game was like still technically in beta. No. There well, was, there was a isn't DayZ like, in like beta still? I, or did they like it was in beta for like 11 years or some shit like PUBG that? PUBG might still be in beta. I think I think that was the game that I remember personally like, that was like in beta for the, a dumb amount of time, and people were just like, "Pay thirty bucks for a game that doesn't work." Well, you know they were selling Brad. Minecraft when it was still in alpha. Yeah, I bought Minecraft when it was still in alpha. <laughs> it was like Alpha Two, I think, is when I bought into Minecraft, and then okay. some years later, it's the biggest game ever made. So. I'm I'm hoping that's what they meant by August 25th. Move it to beta, maybe or open beta. Um, you 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 would hope so that there'd be a beta between release and alpha. That's typically how that goes. <laughs> Usually, but then I got it's Amazon. They released Crucible when it probably should have been in. It was a little half baked, yeah. Just never made. Just don't even make it. Um, if you are a fan of Telltale Games, do I have news for you? The Humble Bundle Summer Adventure Games Bundle 
features all the Telltale games you could ever want. For only one dollar or more, you get The Walking Dead Season 1, The Walking Dead 400 Days, Oxenfree, and Batman The Enemy Within. The sec- second tier, which currently costs uh, like seven fifty dollars uh, or more, will get you all the previous games as well as The Wolf Among Us, Batman The Enemy Within, Shadows Mode, The Walking Dead, McConey, and The Walking Dead Season 2. Lastly, there's a $15 tier where you can get Batman Season 1, Batman Season 1 Shadows Mode, The Walking Dead A New Frontier, or The Walking Dead The Final Season. So uh, pretty much every Telltale game except Tales from the Borderlands can be yours for $15. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That is it. Everything must go, and we have infinite copies, so it's going to take a while. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, currently the value of that bundle is $174. So if you like Telltale games or you're interested in trying Telltale games uh, and you don't mind $15 invested, when we talk about value for your money in terms of games, like each of these games only has to be like an hour long in order for you to get your money's worth. So, Yeah, I remember remember watching um, the Walking Dead game and it was... It was okay. I think the biggest like gripe people had with it was like you didn't have too much of an like choice was an illusion. You still had the same end result. Mm-hmm. Like well, that's that's Telltale games in general. Yeah, yeah. So that was like the biggest gripe with with The Walking Dead. I if it's yeah, same I for got, the other I, ones that sucks. I played I played The Walking Dead, uh, the first one. Like I thought I was just downloading a demo for it, but <laughs> I think it was like the full game. <laughs> Uh, on my Xbox 360, and it was it was all right. I don't I don't particularly care for their style of game because it's mm-hmm. more like a visual novel than it is a game. Um, which yeah. I like story in games mm-hmm. as much as the next guy probably more than your average bear. But was, at the end of the of day, I do like some actual gameplay in my game, not just QTEs. Yep. Like yeah, the the events. biggest the biggest thing I can compare this to, and where Telltale games kind of like took their model from is there was a place it's on pc now uh there was a playstation 3 exclusive game called heavy rain where mm. uh you it was basically all one flowing cutscene with some qtes that did affect the way the cutscene played out so there was like gameplay and replay value to it uh but that game got very mixed reviews i think it was just ahead of its time though because all the telltale games get glowing reviews even though they're barely gains but for the people who review games in the journalism media maybe that's a good thing because they couldn't get past the cuphead tutorial (laughs) this game was so nice i barely had to do anything game it's just the story at that point 10 out of 10 game of the year that's why people are playing it they're not playing it for the i guess that's why some people are playing it uh if, if you like the story and you want a nice if you are into that story then play it for the story I'm not uh, saying just that. don't expect anything out of gameplay, I guess, is, yeah. is our point. Like, it's more akin to reading a choose your own adventure novel mm-hmm. than it is to playing a video game. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. I was distracted for a second. I thought you were talking about Spec Ops the Line. No, I I've not yet gotten to that. <laughs> um the, uh, coincidentally, so there is some choose. there is some choice in that game. There are multiple endings. Um they don't change much, 
but uh, there are multiple endings and decision points, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting in a game of that nature. But I will discuss that after we talk about how it's coming, people. After Why? stable pricing for 15 years, we can expect that next generation games are going to cost $70. Uh, this is an interesting story that comes up here because I was just thinking the other day about, you know, remember when games were forty nine ninety nine? That was a nice price. Got a $100 bill. It could get two new games. Yeah. Half a hundred. Seventy is awkward. I remember in the old, old days when, like, the Nintendo, like, the SNES was out and the game was 65 bucks. If it was a special cartridge, yeah. Like, I think the Donkey Kong Country cartridge cost, like, $84 or something like that because it had all uh, these special processing chips on it. Huh. Okay. And then we standardized the format and we saved money. And now we're creeping back up again. Yeah. Uh, this is going to... We talk a lot about value in our game reviews and uh, like how, how much content there needs to be in a game per dollar spent to get good value for it. And raising the game... the price of the game $10 shifts that equation now you're looking at you need 70 hours of content from a game to reach that vaunted uh, threshold of one hour per dollar spent uh, which represents ideal value that's hard to do in a lot of different games And quite frankly, even games that are longer in stories, I look at my playtime on Steam, you know, it's a little under like $70. Yeah, but like now, now how yeah. do you factor in like, um, like multiplayer? Like oh, I think multi- like Call of Duty. oh, yeah, like, yeah, like those multiplayer is a great way to add value to the game, in my opinion. Like any, like I have 63 hours on Power Rangers Battle for the Grid. The story mode we beat in basically one two-hour stream. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not it's not like I keep playing yeah, okay. the story over and over again. I'm playing matches against people, and like I spent nineteen bucks on this game and another thirty on the DLC. I've gotten my money's worth multiple times over now. Yeah. Technically, League of Legends is infinite value. Yes, free-to-play games are (laughs) infinitely valuable by my metric, which is true because any amount of enjoyment you get out of a free-to-play game is just gravy. Like DC Universe Online, even if you don't want to play the MMO, like the level 1 to 30 story on that is a solidly entertaining DC set adventure that takes about 10, 15 hours that you can enjoy for no money just the time it takes to install it because you have to install all the content that you don't have access to as a free-to-play player. Maple Story. It's childish. It's addictive like meth amphetamine, but it's free. uh, Many different classes to play from. But yeah, $70, I don't don't know. I'm more mad that it's an odd number. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like... (laughs) It's an awkward number, I don't know. The price of the game is going up, and shit that should be included in that price of the game is getting, you know, gutted out and sold piecemeal to you. Yeah. Right. 
So it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow. Like, I understand that it's been $15 for, like, 15 years and inflation is a thing. Now, but I wouldn't still. mind this. I wouldn't mind this as much if we knew what's to come after these new generation games and if more companies started, um, like, releasing DLC that was free. Like, they have a game that's out and then a year later... DLC for free. Maybe there was a deluxe edition that you can buy, but they add on to the story, add on to the game, add different game modes or something like that to keep you entertained. Because I think one of the constants that I've seen out of like good video games, uh, like I keep on bringing up Fortnite because it's this immune to to overplayability. Um, is that it keeps on updating itself. It's fresh all the time. And like games like Modern Warfare uh, don't do that enough. Yeah, well. Was... I, here's my thing. Um, it's that for me, like this wouldn't be so bad if there wasn't also, well, I guess it's not as bad because of this, but it's kind of an indictment on big console AAA development that, you can just if you don't want a strictly AAA experience, you can step off, and then the price goes down to fucking twenty bucks yeah. for any number of indie games and uh, Steam stuff. Or, yeah, just you can just like wait a year and play the game for half price usually. Right. So it's in one sense like it's the most expensive product, and it's also catering to the most like the widest accessible base. Yeah. You know, that's just trying to get people who just want to play a video game, mm -hmm. you know, and don't the offer of this article on polygon here. Uh, that's a, it's an analysis article. The $70 video game is inevitable. And they already mentioned that NBA 2k 21 is raising its price from 59.99 to 69.99 for the next generation consoles. And it also mentions that we've had, that $69.99 price since the Xbox One or Xbox 360 rather launched in 2005, which I don't think is I like the I disagree with their timeline a little bit, but um, oh, their point was that like it's not so bad because if you adjust it for infl inflation, $59.99 in 2005 is like $81 in 2020 money. And it's like, well, yes, that's true, now, but here's my thing. Oh, I just, I mean, I already had a thing, but here's my other thing. I think, I think we, it, there's a new metric we can use that'll counteract these inflation claims. It's all this changing money stuff. All right, so Netflix, basic mode, right? Eight bucks a month, twelve months, something -ish. like that. All right, so. We'll, we'll round up to a year. If you had to replace Netflix for a year with this video game, would you be satisfied? Yeah. Hmm. That's 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 a good question. It'd have to be a good that game. speaks to the insane value I'm of streaming services. Yeah. Or... I, it's, it's hard to compare the two because they, they offer different experiences, I guess. 
Well, then I guess if you had to choose, hmm. if you had to choose I'd, one, I'd pick Netflix. Be, like that's what it boils down I, to. If you have only, that's why we talk about would, values because you only have so much money to I spend. I would pick Netflix, and here's why: um, is, is it, there's there's fresh stuff that keeps me coming back. Not only is there this vast library of things that I, if I'm in the mood for this, I can get this. If I'm in the mood for comedy, I watch comedy. If I just want to watch something that I've already seen, like The Office, I'll put on an episode of The Office or something like that. So I always have that option. But then how many times do we have like a new release? Like Tiger King came out and everybody ate that shit up. The Epstein documentary came out. Everybody ate that shit up. So it's like you're almost following trends too and keeping up to date on the latest trends. So it's like I think that that, that – offer of something new and fresh almost every month is uh is what gives it uh, another level of value i guess in my opinion and i think that's why they're pushing games as a service now yeah that's you know? that's well they're they're just yeah, trying the roadmap to map of content to monetize it to more mimic the release schedule just, yeah. but the problem with games as a service is that it's offering you a lesser value over time. Um, yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's maybe an unfair comparison to compare a video game to a streaming surface because they are different pieces of content. Like one you will own eternally as well, the games for the services model might disagree with you, but uh, one theoretically you'll have forever and can keep going on and you've paid the one time lump sum and the other, you know, is a monthly recurring fee perhaps a better analogy is like uh, a dvd or blu-ray box set of a television show because it's the one thing but even then like you know i've gotten like just inherently with my let's say i spent well i did spend 95 dollars on my batman beyond collector's edition uh blu-ray box set um there's I think 40-something episodes of Batman Beyond, half an hour each. That's 20 hours right there of stuff, plus the special features and the ability to watch it again. So, you know, that's a comparable value estimate if we use the same one hour per dollar spent to a video game. So would I rather pay $70 for a video game or for the TV box set? Eh, probably the video game. Okay. But... Yeah, I mean, it's it's worth it to look at, like, these are the metrics that we need to use now, in addition to the old dollar an hour. Yeah, and it is also uh, just a matter of, like, seven, it's creeping up there. Like, how how long until we see video games cost $100? And then yeah. there's development a- costs haven't scaled well with, you know, the cost of... Uh, like the ability to make money with video games. That's why you don't see a lot of developers, A, taking risks, or B, um, like smaller developers getting in the, the games because it's just so much money to develop a AAA game. And My one, my one question is, because I think we talked about this before with um, the price of like consoles, and we're all we still haven't seen PS5 price, I believe, nor the uh, Xbox price. Yeah, still uh, playing chicken there. Do you think that they're 
in in the attempt to keep those low so we get that buy-in price point as low as possible do you think we're seeing game prices going up because they're keeping console prices low i mean if they keep a console price you know a hundred dollars less than what would they would need to sell it to make a profit on it and then that a hundred dollars is then distributed amongst like ps5 exclusives by adding ten dollars more per game uh you know for like 10 games or whatever uh and then that's where we're seeing like the price differential well that's always that's always their model right you know they make their money on the software and it's kind of like the inverse of what we were talking about value for us value for them because the the console's the lost leader like that's a one-time payment that they get from Mm -hmm. you where they make their money is selling you online, selling you permission to use your own internet yep. <laughs> and selling you the games. God, when you put it that way, it's so, I feel so dumb for spending so long paying for like Xbox 360, like membership. The PS gold membership was free. In it the yes. Beginning. On the PlayStation hacked. three, it was three. It was free. And then that they rolled out, a- they rolled out PS plus. Um, and, and no one bought it because why? Yeah. And yeah. then and PS4 was like, okay, now you need PlayStation now you Plus. Need to. Yeah, mm. man. I mean, it just make it just goes to show you how much like that's probably why like PlayStation got so much business in the beginning because people were like, well, I don't need to spend thirty bucks a month to do online. I mean, yeah. Once the prices became comparable, that became yeah. a very real deciding factor for people yeah. it's like do i want to spend 60 Wait. bucks a year online the cost a of a new game Halo. yeah and hasn't that been always like uh playstation and sony sort of one of its propositions was that it's is a value proposition because that's why people bought the ps2 is because it also just doubled as a dvd player yeah. and you just got that function and the in blu-ray there. player on uh that as well, they got away from the roots a little bit because the PS4 and PS4 Pro both were not Ultra HD Blu-ray players, but the Xbox One was. See, they kind of shifted. The Xbox mm. One really bet on being that like one living room box you use for everything because you could feed yeah. in like your cable box through it and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. They took some risks with it, and it's a nice piece of hardware, but. Yeah, the software many, support wasn't there, and that's. I wonder how I many people thought. actually took advantage of like switching between cable and stuff like that. I I, I haven't had an Xbox in ages. Um, I haven't had a cable box uh, in ages yeah. either, so yeah. I mean, we just didn't need it. But I mean, I've done it too, like yeah. to consolidate on like hooking things up to the TV. I've run yeah. like another console or or. A, whatever media through the xbox on the hdmi and hell we use it on our streaming sometimes because my capture card is finicky yeah yep um, yeah, it just goes straight there's, there's a lot there's a lot of stuff so yeah and maybe we'll have to take a deeper dive on this on, on maybe another episode it sounds value in video games there's Val- your yeah. fucking editorial yeah. topic once upon a time yeah I, it's a really interesting topic to dive into to pick apart because there's a lot out there it's a lot of different i mean look at look at switch's model and how they're doing their stuff it's totally different than what sony and xbox are doing yeah Yeah. it's it's an industry where a lot of people are are trying to figure out how to make the most money out of it 
And unfortunately for the consumer, a lot of those ideas are not very good for them. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just waiting for like the Netflix of video games. Well, that's what Microsoft's really trying with Game Pass right now. You know, I think it's a smart move because, hell, it's just, I feel like it's inevitable. Just like they said, like, $70 price point's inevitable. I, uh, once we get to a certain price point, like the 80 or $90, maybe $80, I don't think 90 is going to be coming up anytime soon. Um, it's just like, nobody's going to want to buy a video game. Well, we already have $90, like, deluxe editions and collector's yeah. editions. I mean, it's wild how much how much we can get, and if we can get like, uh, you know, we get a a Netflix thing where it's like ten dollars a month, and you can play all these all these new video games, and uh, hey, maybe there's a fifteen dollar a month pass where you can get access to different DLCs or collectors editions. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's it's an interesting idea to dive into. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's. Let me talk a little bit about a little game called Spec Ops The Line. Uh, this is a game that is actually pretty well known in the gaming community for being uh, a rather ambitious story for the type of game that it is. Um, so this is developed by Jaeger Games and or Jaeger Games. Y-A-G-E-R, and released in 2012. So it, it it came bundled in with The Darkness 2 in my Humble Bundle, and it was published by 2K2, and it's a very similar game in a lot of ways in terms of, like, its value proposition. Although I will say that I enjoyed Spec Ops The Line more than I did The Darkness 2, and I'm more likely to recommend it to someone because of the way that its story... Uh, progressed and yeah I guess you can call it a twist I don't know that I, I mean yeah it is a twist but it's not not like the mind blowing twist that everyone uh, told me it would be but it is sort of like a whoa kind of moment so you play as Michael Walker Captain Michael Walker who is a Delta Ops operative and uh, he and his squad mates, Adams and Lugo, are sent to Dubai, which has been ravaged by a series of sandstorms, the likes of which the city has never seen. Uh, they are sent into Dubai after the 33rd Regiment that was tasked to uh, protect Dubai uh, for, during these storms stopped responding to uh, calls. So it was a recon mission. Uh, but some decisions are made by Captain Walker that involve him and his squad mates further and further into uh, a web of intrigue and lies and uh, skip ahead a few minutes if you want to avoid spoilers. The big twist here is that uh, the character of Conrad, who supposedly is commanding the 33rd, and forcing the squad into all these difficult decisions that really kind of expose the horrors of war. For example, at one point you launch white phosphorus and you hit civilians on your, uh, your target. Um, Mm -hmm. he's dead. There is no Conrad. Um, 
And the entire time, all these decision points you've made, or not all of them, but a lot of the decision points you've made have just been hallucinations that Walker has been having. Why he's having these hallucinations, they never really touch on. But uh, the the big gotcha moment of the story is it holds a mirror up to you and your actions and shows you were the villain the whole time, basically. Ah. Uh, which... Okay. It was cool. I think they could have executed it a little bit better, uh, given more justifications for the hallucinations and and more. It was it wanted to be like a Sixth Sense style twist, and it I I'll tell you I didn't see it coming particularly because there was really. But the problem is I didn't see it coming because not because the cr- clues were well hidden, but because there were no clues. So, like, in The Sixth Sense, like, the clues are there. Like, in if you listen to the director's commentary, M. Night Shyamalan talks about how, you know, I was really nervous people were going to figure it out because of this clue and this clue and this clue. And you're like, oh, yeah, I feel like an idiot for not seeing that. <laughs> um, but that that wasn't the case here. Uh, but it's still okay. a unique story experience. Uh, I mentioned this was developed by Jagger, but... You could have fooled me. This feels a lot like a Naughty Dog game. Uh, it's a third-person shooter with similar gunplay, better gunplay, and cooler tactic units. So, like, there's replay value not only because there's multiple endings, but because I think there's enough challenge in the gameplay to uh, interest you because there are cool things. Like, you're in Dubai, right? So there's a lot of sand. And if you throw a grenade and it explodes, not only does the fragments do shrapnel or the earth stuns, but it'll also kick up sand if you're outside, so you can use that to move to the next parts of cover. So I think there's some interesting tactical uh, elements to it to play around with on higher difficulties, which will also lead to replay value. Uh, the gameplay is pretty tight. I like the cover system. Uh, Squadmate commands are janky. You can order them to attack at any point in time and any target on the field, which is nice. However, you can only at certain moments that the game deigns for you order them to do things like throw a stun grenade or or a frag grenade or something like that, which is kind of annoying because there are times where you're moving through with your tactical plan and you're like, OK, I'd really like them to throw a stun grenade here. But since the game didn't decide that that was a good idea, you can't do it. Um, so that was a oh, little frustrating bad. with the gameplay. Um Again, this is not a game I can really recommend spending much more than $10 or $15 on, but it does get the bonus for being a very unique experience uh, in terms of the story and gameplay. So I would say you can spend as much as $15 on it, maybe even 20 I can say maybe even buy this at 20 but unfortunately, much like The Darkness 2, it is still in July of 2020, Eight years after its release, selling new on Steam for twenty nine ninety nine. So uh, look for a humble bundle to come up. Look on some <laughs> other places to buy games, maybe good old games, or wait for a sale. But uh, don't buy it at twenty nine ninety nine. Uh, I would say yeah, I could stomach that a little bit more than I could with the Darkness too. But I'd say wait. Uh, Nineteen ninety nine would be a little high. I'd say fifteen and below though is a good good place to buy in on this and uh, i would recommend this game i give it a thumbs up nice cool but 
And now from, it's time to take a hard yeah, right to go, turn. Time to pull a Caesar and go from my thumbs up to my thumbs down or pull Batista, as he would do <laughs> in WWE before delivering his finishing move, the Batista bomb, go from the thumbs up to the thumbs down. Because uh, my spy, not a good movie. <laughs> no, yeah. sorry. Uh, I mean, like I, I liked your uh, analogy to to it being like the pacifier, and I was kind of being like, yeah, okay, all right. That's like the pacifier. I, I got a, some strong pacifier vibes. I, I like just, when I they stole s- the twist from the pacifier. <laughs> I just got so mad that like this guy is so incompetent and like common sense when is common sense gonna kick in and like say hey how about don't do that (laughs) how about grab her phone from her (laughs) and break it like this nine-year-old girl is holding these two supposedly trained operatives just hostage and outsmarting them at every turn yet in the climax when she needs to be capable she is not um yeah Yeah. it so it's just such a disjointed movie in so many ways it forgets about its plot for a solid 90 percent of its runtime oh yeah 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 they have to keep on reminding um, you they have to flash back and be like remember there's this terrorist plot they, they pay it lip service, but it's like, okay, there's 30 minutes left in the movie. Let's uh, just quickly hurry along all this plot information that we should have spread out throughout the movie. Exactly. These kind of movies, I think, have there's a precedent. There's a style. There's tropes. You. This is a movie that should be written more or less by the book. I, I compared this while I was ranting about it to an empty apartment last night. <laughs> to um this is like daddy daycare like cheaper by the dozen mm-hmm. you know it's the get a new wacky family movie um and becoming a new a new father and there's a lot of stuff for that now the guy directed this um peter Sa- peter siegel not to be confused with peter sagel the host of way way don't tell me on npr <laughs> nor steven seagal you know a of host many of, great movies uh, yeah, host of, uh, what is it, Louisiana oh, yeah. Law? Lawman. Bayou Law. I'm Steve Seagal. Steve Seagal mm-hmm. Lawman. <laughs> um, but he directed things like Get Smart. The 2013 Get Smart? And, um, yes. Right. Uh, there are some others. He does, a, he does a lot of, he did a lot of that modern makes, comedy that makes movies. Sense. I, can, I can see that with how this movie uh, was structured. Let's see. Similar. Um, Fifty first dates, anger management, Tommy Boy, longest yard. Um, so he has he has a reputation for comedy stuff, but this movie I think needed to be tuned because a lot of my rambling uh, was just like words, just changing scenes around a little bit to make everything work because things just weren't. 100% there. And you could have, if you cared, if they cared to do this and not just pooped it onto streaming services, they would have tightened it up and made it a generically inter- a generically fun family adventure featuring some action scenes. Okay. Yeah, there was very little in the way of uh, action, which I guess it's not 
specifically an action movie, but um, it was utilized at the beginning and at the end and nowhere else in the middle. And I think that has to do with the vacation it took from its own plot, which I will keep bringing up because it's so fucking jarring how the movie is just not about the thing it's about for so much of its <laughs> runtime. And it's just like, let's let's put it's like, you know, how in the trailer they had the montage of scenes. And you expect that to be kind of like montaged in the movie itself. But no, we're going to create each a, a scene around each scenario that you saw in the trailer, which like, I yeah. guess it deserves some credit for that because too often it's the other way around, which isn't good. But this wasn't good either. There needs to be a middle <laughs> ground that we explore <laughs> because the two extremes suck. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It dove way too deep into, like, him helping her out and just, like, literally just being a babysitter movie. And he wasn't, he was reluctant for, like, a scene. And then they're just best friends. And she's like, fuck my mom because this movie also wants to be parent trap. (laughs) Dude, I I couldn't stop comparing it to, um, uh, shit. What what is the the movie with, uh, I'm blanking on all the fucking names. I'm going to find it. Hotel it's Artemis. an older movie. <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, I will say, I'll I'll say in their favor that I pl- I place the blame for this movie squarely on the writer's shoulders. The um, let's see, I the Ufer brothers, the El Ufer, the Ohofer. Um, let's see, my spy uh, writers. Um, yeah, the Hober brothers, Eric Eric and John. Um, because I, I think Chloe Coleman, who played Sophie, the girl, she did a fine job with what she was given. She did all right. I mean, she was Um, the most written character in the movie, so I should hope so. Yeah. Um, Dave Bautista, he does fine. He, he's not Uh, asked to do much. We make, they make it. Yeah, it's safe. And he, I feel like he has, you know, he's, his natural charisma will carry him through where things might be. You know, have holes in there. You can patch them up. Um, yeah, I think people did well, but the thing, the script they were given was trash. It made no I, Yeah, I kept on sense. comparing this. I kept on comparing this to Leon the Professional. I have okay, not heard no, no, that, that movie. Is it, it's very. It's honestly a very good movie. Uh, it's got a young, young, like ten years old Natalie Portman, uh, mm. who. Yeah, exactly. Right on. Just the age you <laughs> right like them, Jake. That's a sweet spot. Um, but she's uh, uh, the story follows her losing her parents, or I think they lost her parents, and she gets like sort of adopted by this like foreign assassin guy, and he trains her to become this assassin. Like he like straight up takes her on a rooftop, gives her a paintball gun, and shoots her how to snipe people oh so that so they so um uh birds of prey just lifted that story from huntress yeah yeah exactly they just lifted it from leon the professional um and it it's a really there's a lot of really good scenes in it where they show their connection and it's kind of emotional to the point but it's not a comedy and like i couldn't tell if this wanted to be like a straight up cia like spy movie or like this weird oh. fuck my mom comedy. I mean, it had to be the comedy. <laughs> fuck my momity. Fuck my momity. Fuck my momity. <laughs> like, it was definitely more comedy, but like the scenes that had the spy parts in it was like 
really, we want to be a spy movie, but also, fuck my mom. It was, <laughs> and it's like mom. just such a weird, like no eleven year old girl. Yeah, who is this for? Yes, who is like, this for? Yeah, where's the I, audience? I don't know. And what eleven year old girl is so desperate to get her mom laid? Like, yeah. you shouldn't even know what sex is. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't understand that part. Like, my mind isn't on getting maybe it's like this that she's seeking like a father figure in him but like just it, doesn't want him to i mean like, yeah go away. so but it's they, like so much connect like hit up my mom just let me teach you how to woo my mom and she wants him to put his father figure it in is, her mom. it is to its <laughs> slight credit a reversal of the typical trope where the child rejects the the new parent figure but that makes sense. This doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I think they're trying too hard. I think they are as as uh, as as Wayne would put it. They're uh, they're overhandling it. They're putting a little too much on it. Um, I think th- this is where I want to start talking about how we would I would write this movie. How I the things I would change, the things I would make better, and I guess we have to get into spoilers for that. Yeah. Is do we want to yeah, do that sure. now or do we want to keep uh... alright um, general review don't no there's better movies There's the, just watch the pacifier just wa- go back and watch any of the mid 2000s dad family over the top comedies uh, the one thing one more thing I will say about this these kind of movies if it's going to be this you need to have slapstick um, and like they didn't have it because everything's digital now. There's there's one sort of slapstick slapstick gag where a fucking hawk eats a like he a eats pigeon, a uh, yeah. like a bird. It just swoops by, and that was cute. Mm-hmm. That was a funny yeah. joke. And then they cut to it. And they cut to a different scene, and they totally flubbed the fucking editing. I would Do- I'm I can yell yeah about that. But let's talk about. Well, well all right. uh, I won't recommend this. Yeah, movie. no. And also, don't like, watch it. You brought up editing. Also, special effects. What the fuck? Oh, they were. The, I, Did, I'm saving that for the climax. <laughs> I've got some things to say about these special effects. We saw we saw better special effects in uh, the Velocipaster. <laughs> that ass. Which had none. <laughs> Even the one that's missing. Wait, we, wait. We watched we, that. Like we watched that the yeah, whole way through. Yeah, we right? watched. We watched Velocipaster. But Holy like shit. that movie that was, was trying movie. to be a bad movie. Like <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. But this was it's like fake. It's the best you could do. I I wonder if this was like post produced in COVID. I gotta fit time. I gotta figure that like with Artemis Fowl and with uh, I'm learning about Hollywood. I think because with Artemis Fowl and with My Spy, like those effects did not look finished. So I'm thinking that maybe typically effects are finished a lot closer to the release than we typically assume mm-hmm. oh I yes think so. Uh, okay so spoilers want to go into dip talk. into some of it so the movie starts off with this um dave batista is trying his damnedest to do a russian accent <laughs> it's my new favorite joke thing about it and that's yes great. i like that they acknowledge that it was bad which is which I is the right was, thing to do he did it i, I like that I think the writers just were banking on it. They're like, he can do a Russian accent. Dave's like, I can't. Let's put a joke in here, guys. Like, the the writer looks up from his bong. He's like, all right, dude, we'll put a scene in there. And he just goes back to taking fat rips. Well, like, you're surrounded by a bunch of people with guns who hate you. So, like, you think that's okay for your character? Sure, I'll just just kill them all. Okay. 
Why not? Yeah, we'll write that in there, <laughs> too. Like, yeah, write that in there. Oh, oh, there's a big explosive thing behind you. You shoot it. And it everybody's go, whoa, fire. And then you, can't shoot make, the big you make guy. a hard right turn at 40 <laughs> miles an hour to avoid two rockets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. knew they were going to be there right at that time. But they don't make it like a like a funny scene, right? Where is in another scene they would be a spy, they would do their spy thing. They, you know, the scene feels like you know a spy comedy movie thing, but it's not lighthearted. But it's enough. to establish Dave Bautista as a capable spy moments before they spend the whole movie showing you he is not a capable spy. Well, they didn't even show that he's a capable spy because he didn't or like, action he blew hero his or cover. He fucks he the mission blew, up. He fucked up the yeah. mission. Burn notice and spoiled yeah, me. He yeah, he fucked. He's not even a cap. He's just a a brute that can shoot well, and he has good like tactical awareness. Like that. That's what established it for me. And the problem is, mm. is that you can't. It's really hard to fit comedy in there, because and, like, where does a lot of comedy come from? Oh, you messing it up. And then the comedy all, comes from like, oh, my gun jammed or I'm messing up the mission by not killing people. Or if he was like an over the top action hero, like like a very cliche like action a Marvel hero. <laughs> yeah, if he came down from the rafter, he did the fucking superhero <laughs> landing and then he just punches people. He's like, what if it? If we took out like bitch. two knives Bam. and had like a Drax reference, that'd be funny. Shit. Yeah. Like he does. He does part of it. He does like a fucking grenade yeah. toss. They just. Again, tune it up, turn it up a little bit, make it just that make much them more grenade zany. knives, like the other guys. You know, the other guys did <laughs> yes, this fucking did. well. Yeah, or it just turned up the characters to crazy on the on the eleven meter. <laughs> <laughs> on the 11. Aim for the bushes. Aim for the bushes. If they did something with with Dave Bautista like that, that'd be I'd like that. Yeah. <laughs> That, see, there you go. Here's my first rewrite. He does something. He does a stupid action thing, and he breaks his yeah. arm or something, and he can't do the rest of the mission, so he's put on duty. We fix it. We fix the fucking movie. He jumps into this, the ocean, so what, breaks uh, his what arm. What happened here, where we stopped talking about the movie to talk about the rewrite? This was me for t- for four hours last night. I would stop. I would say, this is how you do this scene. Stop being a shitty writer, and then I press play. I'm like, it's not going to happen again. It can't happen again. And I pause it two minutes later, and I go, God why damn it! Why does she want him to fuck her mom? <laughs> why is this the biggest plot point? Did you forget about the terrorist that you're related to? Yeah. All right. Let's talk about All this. Right, yeah. Let's talk about my rewrites for this. Let's go. Uh, so here's my rewrite. The he's come to America. Or he has there's another family who's like the daughter daughter of the bad guy is goes to the same school as Sophie, right? And she's one of the mean girls. And Dave teaches Sophie how to like get get back at her through spy means. And she does spy stuff and fucks with the with the, the little the evil little girl. But then through the course of the movie, she finds out that they're not so bad. It's just the dad who's evil and just she was a bad parent. And so you establish the theme of parenting makes good children, right? <laughs> and then they become friends and you have – so they walk off and they get ice cream as Dave Bautista fights the fucking bad guy. They're like, 
screw this. Let's go. Let's go take <laughs> selfies in the hallway as like they're fucking like choking each other out in the back in the back of like some they, warehouse. They should have utilized the school more because I think the school would have been a much yeah. better backdrop for the action scene than this this airfield. You, you know what? You know what you just described. I think Pete is you know you got r- dangerously close to uh, Special Agent Cody Banks. That that's Fucking, almost yeah. that's really close to the plot of that because he was like he had to get close to the daughter of the, the the guy, and then he had he found out like the the dad was doing shit for the villains, but he wasn't that bad. He wasn't a bad guy. He just was like caught up in the wrong people. But I, I yeah. like that idea. That, that's a better idea. Well, that was they they ripped that note. Mm-hmm. They ripped that your bat. Your dad wasn't a bad guy. He was just in with the wrong people for mm-hmm. for her dad, for Sophie's dad, who she was just so willing to replace. <laughs> even though even though Bobby, his uh, JJ's partner, was like, yes, he was a bad guy. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe maybe she was she was not the best guy. I don't know. No, I don't. I don't like so. I didn't like Sophie either in the beginning. They did the they did the redemption arc, but she should have been. She was precocious, but she wasn't like witty, which I would have liked to see her match like really match wits with with the JJ character. Well, well the whole thing is Dave JJ Batista. character doesn't have a lot of wits. That's yeah. that's the whole gag, is he's a bumbling so, oaf who so got like outed her, by a nine year old. Yeah. Right. Then they should. I think. Then I think they should make her just a little bit more like, like, she. They're trying to do the she's the mature for her age thing. I think, and I think they just need to make that. They more. need to make this movie better. Right now, she just sounds like <laughs> this is what they needed to do. Sounds like a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Th- so again, this for two hours. Um, the the gay couple. As soon as I saw them, the one guy moved. He's in the background, and he's a bald white dude with stubble who doesn't talk. And I'm like, okay, they're fucking. They're fucking secret agents. I thought that they were bad, yeah. the bad guys who were yeah. also trailing him. They were like, they were commit. They were hired by Vla- Vladimir Petrovich. I don't Vilnov. even care about their names. Um, <laughs> I don't even care about like the villains' names. And I, and they were gay. And I absolutely knew that the full extent of the twist was they're secret agents, but they actually yeah. are gay for each other. Because you want to know what made me they, know that they were going to be secret agents. Because they're the neighbors, and that's literally the same thing as what happened in the pacifier. They're just gay and not Asian this time. Mm-hmm. And they don't even hide. They're like, we like and we like keep you know we keep an eye on everything that goes around here. We love to interrogate new people in our in the in the <laughs> yeah. neighborhood. They weren't exactly you know? and they run up to in the. They run. They jog up to him in the park, and like people talking in the park is number one fucking spy yeah. shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. You don't don't go to a park and talk to a people, especially if you're wearing even if you're neighbors, you wave and say, hey, that's it. That's it. Nobody wants to talk while they're jogging. Not even Dave Batista. Yeah, that 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 they they really ham fisted that in there. And then uh, what's her name? Shawl, Kristen Shawl or whatever. Like her character was very. Yeah. All, all over, over the, the place, place, underwritten, really unimportant oh, the to the story. No, not the mom. The the tech support. Oh, 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 Bobby, Bobby. Yeah. Was she? Because yeah. like she goes from "I hate you, you're you're awful, you're 
doing a bad job. You're not helping me. Like, you're not a cool guy. You, I thought you were this person. You're not. And then she's like, and then they're watching him on a date, and she's like, oh, I'm in, I'm inter- I'm invested in him as a character, in a person or whatever. And then she goes back to, like. And when they the get shit. fired, she's said, like, you're my hero, and I got to watch you become a person. It's like, bitch, weren't you just angry at him for not following the op two scenes ago? Like that was never the that was yeah. never really set up that Bobby drew this emotional connection to him. Well, she gushed and, over like, him when thought, she found out they were partnered. Yeah, they gushed over. She was like like starstruck almost, but it, she wasn't like emotionally invested because he was like broken inside. They never established that until they straight up told it to our face. Well, it's so much easier yeah, to they, tell you something than to show it to yeah. you. Yeah, you know how they do this character in other movies. They have them all like whenever they talk, whenever JJ would talk about anything, the Bobby character should have been like, "Oh, that's just like your operation, like uh, Viet Everest or Ru- Russia Kong, you <laughs> or, know, your clandestine operation at the at the Johnson facility." And he's like, "Blah blah blah." And he's like, "You're so annoying." And like maybe she has like a picture of him above it, of above above her bed, you know, just like my hero. Just an, an easy simple way would have been like he's taking a nap on the couch while she's watching like surveillance footage and he starts having a nightmare and talking in his sleep and she's concerned about him and then she hacks and you show us hacking into his files and finding out that like you know there's maybe there's like a dumb kia stamp over each like of his like uh other fellow soldiers pictures Mm -hmm. Like that's a, that's a much better way to show us that she knows about his past and that she's concerned about him yeah. and then have that be the point where she starts helping him like get in with the mom and and find his like emotional side to it mm-hmm. that would that's a much better incentive to to helping him out other than just like oh okay there's a kid with us now My only problem with that is that it still ignores what ostensibly is the plot of the movie <laughs> yeah i know but it's like i don't it's almost like the plot of the movie doesn't matter or, or the, the, there's it's like it comes in too the late the plot comes in too late or or the plot was supposed to be him finding his emotional side and reconciling with his past and and finding this like family that he never had but his past also, is just a, a f- there's a subplot of a terrorist plot. His past, though, yeah. is like never established as an important thing. No. It's just like two or three throwaway lines. And I, that's the thing is that. Yeah, it's not mysterious. The movie was shot in the not. way that and, and, and all this in sequence in the manner of like, OK, his past uh, or, or he is a broken man trying to reconcile with his past or trying to find people to care for. But we never set that up. But we're gonna shoot that like it is, and ignore this mm-hmm. subplot of a terrorist plan. If the terrorist stuff, like with the plans and the plutonium, was was f- pushed more as a subplot in the background a little bit more, and then they elaborated on his past a little bit better. It's hard because the whole reason so- for the movie happening is the terrorist plot. Yes, but it, it's ignored yeah, it, for most of the movie. <laughs> so I guess how do you show a plot by ignoring the plot? <laughs> I don't know. They 
They can keep it in your brain. I know they can do it. I've seen movies that do it. You know how they do it? It's with careful scene choice and scene sequencing. Now, you know, standard filmmaking pedagogy would dictate that um, what would happen is Dave Bautista and, uh, so I guess, J.J. and Sophie, they have their family moment. It's a small triumph. They're feeling, he's feeling a little better about himself. And you're like, yeah, they did it. And your brain's like, cool, run high. That's when you make the transition and the hard cut to the looming threat that's still on the way. Yeah. You know, then you, that's when you cut to the terrorist stuff is like after he learns, like after he gets, he learns how to like, I don't know, skate or whatever, or after he's like dancing and they're like, yeah, dancing, cool. And then it cuts to them like, oh, you thought it was all happy. But remember, he's still there and he's going to come get him. Um, and if you wanted to, if you wanted to tie this into the main plot a little earlier, remember when uh, Bobby yells at him the first time, like that big fight that they have, like halfway through, yeah. when he when she's like, "I'm disappointed in you. You're a jerk." That should have been. They get the call that like Vladimshnov Stolichanya vodka is coming to America, and she's like. Shit, this just got real. This isn't like a thing anymore. And you've just been palling around with with the girl and her mom. Like you got to get serious. I'm serious here. And then that plays into the same sort of things that she was harping on him for in the actual movie. But in my hypothetical movie, it actually ties into like these are real stakes here. Uh, get your ass in the game. Um, there, you know, there's a reason why you're doing this. And uh, the themes you can put your themes in there, and it makes a full through line. It's you know. Don't it's, <laughs> you don't make you make a BLT with bacon, lettuce, and tomato. <laughs> you're not throwing fucking potato wedges in there. You're not making a. You're not throwing a fucking slice of watermelon in there. You make it with bacon, lettuce, and tomatoes. Doing too much business with the plot. So let's just fast forward to the climax because it is just the pinnacle okay. of awful in this movie. So the plot shows back up and. Uh, Vladimir Petrovich Gotcha Gonorrhea um, explodes himself, but no, it was a body double, and the CIA is like, okay, mission over. We're not going to investigate this any further because no one's ever pulled a stunt like this in a movie before. Yeah. Um, right. And he explains it. Sorry. He explains it with a body double and some old tunnels from World War II that were never decommissioned. And I'm like, cut out the last, like, three words of that sentence. Body double and some old tunnels. Just inefficient writing. And yeah. then, uh, so Sophie goes to get JJ for reasons that I can't be bothered to remember. Uh, she comes back down, and and Vladimir uh, Vodka Sauce has her mother held at gunpoint, and um, his his friend Dimitri there is. They've got the dog and all that nonsense, and then they club JJ over the head. And now they got the whole family at gunpoint, and then the gay neighbors came over. Reveal that they're also spies. They uh, free independent contractors. Independent contractors. They auto hired by somebody. They weren't somebody. Not who cares. Um, (laughs) They then demand their thing. So it's like a Mexican standoff. But Bobby drops a gun, which causes it to sustain fire. I rolled my fucking eyes so hard they fell onto the couch and I had to pick them up and dust them off. Gosh. <laughs> that was really bad. I'm like, that's not, that's, how, not, that's not how any of this works. Uh, why do you have a newsie? Why'd you drop it? Oh, who, 
what CIA agent doesn't know how to operate a gun? I'm pretty sure they teach you that, like, as part of your onboarding, even if you're in cyber you department. Have to be. I feel like if you are going to go out into the field at any point, you have to have some sort of training, even if you're, like, just IT. Can you fire a pistol yeah. at a range? Like, even if it's, like, 26 out of 50 on the target. Minimal passing. That's fine. You need to be able to not die when someone's going to come at you at point-blank range. So, yeah, Can you like, do that? The, the MacGuffin cool. box of weapons she uses, and it's all just played for comedy, but it's not, like, funny. It's just, like, why is the scene in the middle of the climax? We forgot about the Nabisco uh, product oh. placement where they're eating Oreos, and she, in the yeah. first scene, she eats a fucking, like, the Dorito front and center, and she's like, this is getting She's going to throw Crunch. out a bag of Doritos. Yeah. He's eating a bag of Doritos. There's and Oreos and shit. Out. I was like, Get, kill me. Kill me with a bag of Doritos. Oh, God. <laughs> I want a Cool Ranch coffin. So Bury me in a, in they a Cool all, Ranch coffin. They all start Vladimir uh, Petrovich gone, gone to get you from Siberia. Um, gets in his car and drives off with Sophie, uh, who got got in the in the fray. And then they pile in her car and they use ways and other shit to like. Yes, oh in a my Fiat too, shit. in like the smallest car they could have gotten. Ways and I was like, all right, where's the like the small car bit that they're gonna do? Because and then, I don't think they ever did anything. They drove like on that. the sidewalk. That was their their small car bit. Yeah, but That's like true. Dave Bautista's Dave? big guy in a in a tiny little Fiat. Oh well, you mean like Where's in Hobbs and Shaw? Hobbs and Shaw when yeah, all three of them managed it. to fit in a car that was barely wide enough to fit one of them. Hell yeah, I'd be down for that. Yeah. I, even if it plays off of something that worked before, it, I would like no, to see oh, something that any, works in this movie, and that would have been a good yeah, joke. You want to fucking make it a? You even want to make it a product placement with Fiat? He's like, I can't get in this Fiat. She's like, well, it's a compact. And he's like, I am not compact. Yeah. He's we like, don't have jokes man. in this movie, Peter. Get out of or here. Or start listing more Fiat product placement. Just start listing the brand you name. You should have got the, the, the Abraf. It has enough, enough width for me to get in there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know Fiat makes I, enough. I, to... <laughs> neither do I. Um, so they race Where's off this brand? to an hey, airfield, yeah. and then the fuel tank leaks, and it's, it, it's dangling by like a one post and a picket fence is holding this entire small aircraft over the edge of a cliff. Because who builds a runway and on a cliff? Oh, I don't know anyone who wants a nice clear landing, oh, like a takeoff so area. This was Kalehan Airfield. I wanted to know if there was actually um, a cliff there. Now, this is Chicago, I feel like Illinois. There is. I, a cliff is not the worst. Like a cliffside airfield, except is not you, the if worst you have thing. to make an emergency landing. <laughs> right, which happens now. Having the strip right, right on the edge of the fucking, uh, having the strip right at the edge of the, the cliff face is a stupid idea, but. Um, you know, it lets you just catch air and then you can go. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's all happening. Sorry. And then they the only reason this is happening at an airfield so they can make another attempt at a joke by not even like making a joke, just referencing that Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark is a movie and has yeah. a scene in it. And uh, yeah. super killer man JJ is unable to dispatch uh, Vladimir. Don't fuck his mom. Um, 
in hand-to-hand -hand combat for a, an absurd amount of time. Yeah. And then the mom comes in and, and hits him with a thing. And then they save Sophie. And then they flow plastic explosives so they can have the explosion that they don't look at. And then they get rehired by the CIA, but sent back to Chicago for reasons that make no goddamn sense. And then the credits roll, and I say, wow, what a waste of fucking time. All the while, the explosions and backgrounds used are just, like, early 2000s green screen and, like, stock footage that I own. <laughs> they stole from me <laughs> to use these explosion effects. Mm -hmm. Just the worst CG you ever seen. Yeah. If you're in film school and you know a little bit about filmmaking, you if you like to watch movies and you're a fan of movies, um, I actually, you know, in a, in a bad way, I would recommend this just as a reference material, just so that you can you can realize how much how much good writing has been baked into otherwise like movies that you you eat, you have you consume once and you throw away, and you realize that like. There's a re like that takes skill to make something that's just generally like uh, easily consumable by a wide range of people, and it's just like I I criticize this movie for not even coming up to level of zero. Yeah. Can't even be nothing. Yeah, it's it not good. Yeah, bad. My spy bad. My spy bad. Hashtag my not spy my spy with my little eye. Bad. A bad movie. All right, so that's going to wrap up episode 219. Thank you so much for spending about two hours of your Saturday with us. Uh, be sure to check out the stream. We will be checking out Borderlands 3's new DLC and takedown and and such. Uh, you can find us at twitch.tv slash saturnstuds. Uh, saturnstuds.com also has links to that and our defunct mixer. Um, I need to update the site. Um, and all our other stuff that we do. Uh, Check out our social media at Stud Saturn on Twitter. And uh, until next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye.